welcome to episode 146 of SwiftCast. This is Ashley. And Haley. Since many of our hosts are absent for various reasons this week, we're excited to welcome a new guest host. So joining us now is Scott from the Pop Unmuted podcast. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Our pleasure. We're excited about this. I had a lot of fun on your Grammy episode last month. Yeah, this is a nice little podcast exchange going on here. (laughs) And we actually met because of the Gilmore Guys podcast, basically. Yeah, I was excited that in your absence last episode, they talked about how you were seeing the Gilmore Guys live show, which I was originally going to go. I was going to fly from New York to Chicago for that show, which is how we met. But I did not, so... I'm glad you at least got to go. Yeah, I went to a matinee at 4 o'clock and then an 8 p.m. also, and it was just such a great day. Cool. And it's just great how podcasters support each other and how you meet so many people just through the community of both doing and just listening to them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, another exciting thing about today is, Haley, did you know it's our three-year friendship anniversary? It is our three-year friendship anniversary. Because we met on the first night of the Red Tour, which was three years ago, March 13th of 2013. I can't believe it's been so long. But it also feels like longer. I feel like I've known you for like a decade, but it's only been three years. It's weird. It's meant to be. And how crazy is it just how fast the time has gone, the whole Red Tour, the whole 1989 tour, and now question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we got a little bit of news this week that was, I guess, a clue, only not really, into what could be happening in the fall, which is that Taylor announced what they're advertising as her only concert of 2016. Taylor will be headlining the Formula One Grand Prix race in Austin, Texas in October. So that was like pretty out of the blue and exciting. Yeah, I mean, I think to me that seems to suggest that unfortunately there won't be an album this year. If I mean, if it's true that that's going to be her only concert this year, that's sort of around the time the album would come out. So I don't know. Well, I think they're sort of advertising it as her only full length concert because last year Elton John did 21 songs when he was their headliner. So if she does a full length concert for this... Even if she has the album come out in the fall or sometime before the end of the year, all the performances around that usually are two or three songs in little mini concerts, but there wouldn't be a full tour until then 2017. Okay. So it's still possible. I think we're all trying to figure out exactly what that means. Because she never does full-length concerts in between tours. This is, I feel like, Haley, am I right? The only time this has ever happened? Yeah, I can't recall any other time that she's done a like actual full show. I mean, she'll do Jingle Ball and things like that here and there in between albums, but those are, you know, at most five songs. So this is very interesting, and we'll have to see what else comes out as we get into the summer and the fall. Well, anyway, we're going to move right into some older tweets. There's always a lot of exciting things going on for Taylor, it seems like, in March every year. And the first one is from March 11th, 2011. And so my castle fascination lives on in Germany. And so this was when she was in Germany for the beginning of the Speak Now tour. And she posted a really cute picture of a castle and her looking at the castle. 
And I think that that obsession has stayed with her. (laughs) However, as she reminded us in a tweet a few months ago, she is not buying a castle at this time. (laughs) Well, our next tweet comes from March 8th of 2012. We ended up seeing Sydney by boat last night. Thanks, Paul, for taking pictures. And the picture that he took looks like it should be from a photo shoot. It really does. It's just this perfect shot of Taylor, and it's dark at night with the Ferris wheel and the city lit up in the background, and she's sort of looking back at the camera, and I feel like this could be part of, like, a Vogue shoot. Yeah. The lighting is perfect in this photo. Paul did a really good job. So the next tweet is from March 11th of 2013. Taylor tweeted, The 22 video premieres and the Red Tour starts on Wednesday. Yes, that's the 13th. Yes, that's on purpose. That was a great day. That was amazing. I remember waking up at like an insane hour of the morning, like 4 or 5 a.m. just to catch the video and then get ready for the concert. Actually, the only time that I've seen Taylor was on the Red Tour. Oh, really? Which show did you go to? The Newark show at the Prudential Center. Oh, nice. Yeah, I actually, I won tickets for that show. So I went for free and in the pit, and it was amazing. Who was the special guest at that one? Um, One of those shows she had Pat Monahan, I think. Was it that one? Uh, No, was the Neon Trees guy? Yeah, that was another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> I knew that she had guests at those shows because I almost went to those shows and I regretted it because they were such good guests. Yeah, it was really so amazing. I mean, obviously I was a Taylor Swift fan, but I had never really considered myself enough of a fan to like spend the money to go to the show. And after getting the free tickets to go to the show, I would like absolutely I want to go back again because she was so, so good. That's what happens once you see Taylor live once. You're like, uh, now I'm addicted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she hasn't played that arena again since then. On the 1989 tour, she only did two shows at MetLife Stadium and nothing right. else really in New York or New Jersey. Right. The arena shows are always special. The next one is from March 11th of 2014. Confetti bombed my brother for his birthday, and he was like, and she just puts a not impressed face emoji. <laughs> That's what I would call that face. But the photo is pretty funny. It's Taylor with just handfuls of confetti looking really excited and Austin not looking as excited. And our last one is from March 8th of 2015. She said, We are at our best when we cheer each other on and build each other up. Happy International Women's Day. You know, it was so funny when I reread this tweet. I realized that that line we cheer each other on and build each other up was in the Taylor Nation video that they showed on tour. Oh, it is. <laughs> I wonder who gave who the idea. Because <laughs> they must have been doing that video right around that time. Anyway, I thought that was funny. <laughs> well, we have a bunch of exciting news this week, so we're going to go right into keeping up with Swift. And our first piece of news is Taylor's new wax figure at Mudam Tussauds in Hong Kong is unveiled. And she is wearing this really pretty green one-piece outfit. So I like it. Yeah, this definitely, of all the different wax figures that are out there right now of her, is the one I think that's the closest to what she looks and dresses like now. Of course, it's going to be outdated in about a month. Exactly. The hair in this one, I think, is still a little bit longer to what she has now. Well, technically, you're right. It already is outdated since she cut her hair last month. (laughs) It's hard to keep up with Taylor. 
So the next piece of news is that the collectible issue of Us Weekly is available now. I know on your show you guys have been talking about this for a few weeks leading up to this, and now it is finally on the shelves for us to go and get. I think they advertised it originally as supposed to be something for this summer, so we were just confused, but it is out, and I just picked up a copy, and it's definitely worth it. When we finally got it in at Target, I grabbed all of them, and I was walking around with them, and everybody was looking at me, I'm like, what, they're mine? (laughs) It's a really good issue. It has some posters, it has um, a bunch of articles, some looks back at the tour, and it's just, it's kind of like almost a scrapbook. It's really a neat issue that they put together. And our next tweet has to do with International Women's Day, much like the tweet we just mentioned that Taylor had from last year. So this year, it was actually Reese Witherspoon tweeted and Taylor retweeted. And Reese said, Happy International Women's Day, ladies. A little inspiration, courtesy of Taylor Swift 13. And with that, there was a gif of Taylor, and it had a quote from her which said, My hope for the future, not just in the music industry, but in every young girl I meet is that they all realize their worth and ask for it. That's a really good quote. And Taylor was promoting International Women's Day also by tweeting about it and spreading the word about it in general this week. So we actually wanted to talk more about her role as a feminist and how that's changed over the years. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit later in the episode. As we mentioned earlier, it was just announced that Taylor will be performing at the Circuit of the Americas U.S. Grand Prix in October, and we're hoping to be there. It's so far away, yet I feel like it will come so quickly. I feel like, and I don't know if I'm maybe stereotyping people who watch car racing, but I feel like (laughs) this is kind of a move towards like the country audience again, which is maybe a hint of where she wants to go with her new music or or maybe it's entirely unrelated I don't know it's definitely interesting because I don't know if the majority of people that would normally be going to this race are Taylor fans but it seemed like that's sort of what the company was going for was trying to bring in as many new fans to the event as possible and I definitely think that this will do that I don't know. I mean, Elton John's not really country at all, but they had him last year. So (laughs) maybe they just try and get like the biggest, most well-known artist. And also, though, one of the first things I thought about this was that Taylor's label president, Scott Borchetta, is very involved in racing and often attends all the big racing events and has big machine artists perform at them. So it kind of seems to make sense that they got Taylor for this. And also Taylor, every album has kind of been supporting racing with decorating cars with her album and stuff like that. So she's still kind of in it, even though she's out of country. Hmm. What I really want to do for myself is write down my magical dream 21 song set list that I want her to do with this and just keep it so that I can see how wrong I am once it comes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, our next piece of news is that Taylor was seen out with Carly Kloss on Friday in L.A., and she posted a picture with the caption, Words to live by and my favorite person to dance with. And the quote said, Nobody cares if you can't dance well. Just get up and dance. Great dancers are great because of their passion. And that quote is from Martha Graham. Yeah, I loved seeing them back together. I just really love that friendship so much. And it's, you know, they haven't really been seen together a lot lately. So it's really cool to see her posting pictures with Carly again. 
Yeah, Taylor has so many celebrity friends and a few that have really stuck with her over the years. And I just love seeing her have strong friendships with people that survive basically with how chaotic Taylor's life is. It's nice to see her getting back together with friends again. Definitely. And then on the next day on Saturday, they were seen out going to breakfast, which was really awesome. It's funny when you think about how two years ago, so spring 2014 is when they started being seen out together all over New York and now Mm. LA is the new location obviously they can both travel wherever they want but I feel like LA is definitely Taylor's focus for now yeah so also this week Taylor wished her brother Austin a happy 24th birthday via an Instagram picture of the two of them laughing when they were younger the caption was thanks for 24 years of lols Oh, I love Austin. Yeah, this was a cute picture, too. I love getting to see, like, their old family photos anytime that she posts one. I like that it's one we haven't seen before. I know. There must be just, like, a huge archive of all these great photos. (laughs) And finally, on March 12th, Taylor posted a video on Instagram, which was of Olivia trying to get into a bag of treats, which was pretty funny. And Taylor says, are you trying to open that up? Yep. That's not the right way to open that. (laughs) She knows. I love how she panned to Meredith and Meredith's looking at her like, you're not doing it right. No. (laughs) I really love Meredith as like the straight man in this comedy duo between (laughs) Meredith and Olivia. (laughs) She's just watching Olivia like so judgmentally. It's always nice to get a confirmation that Meredith is still alive. We sometimes go (laughs) a long time without seeing her. Well, we're going to move on to our calendar now, and there's only one upcoming event, which Haley will tell us about. Yeah, on April 6th, the iHeart Music Awards will be held at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, and Taylor is up for Song of the Year for Blank Space, Female Artist of the Year, Album of the Year for 1989, Best Tour for her 1989 World Tour, Best Collaboration for Bad Blood featuring Kendrick Lamar, Best memeable moment for her Blake Space music video and best fan at ARMY. And still no update on if she'll attend or perform, but I'm hopeful for both. And I'm still hoping, like I said a couple weeks ago, that she might use that award show to debut the new Romantics video. Yeah, I think that'd be a great opportunity for it. There is a photo going around this week that is not confirmed at all, but it was a photo of Blake Lively, and people were saying that it might be from the set of the music video, which I would love to see her in one of Taylor's videos. I hope it's true. It gets talked about a lot with the Grammys about how the eligibility period is weird, and so like 1989 is an album from 2014 winning in 2016. I sort of understand that that's how the Grammys work, but the iHeart Radio Music Awards, do they really need to be so weird like that? That's a good point. She won some awards last year, but yeah, they obviously spread 1989 out over the two years. Yeah. I mean, I guess the Bad Blood remix definitely came out after the last iHeart right. Radio Awards. So that makes sense. I don't know. It's a new award show, so they're probably still figuring all of that out. Yeah. I think this is only the third year that they've had it. Sounds about right. Anyway, I do hope Taylor attends because it's always great to see her at award shows. And now for our mini segments, we have a couple of Swifty problems. So the first Swifty problems is from at I it's Allie or maybe a it's Allie. Uh, 
We're not sure. But she says, I'm not even ashamed that when they played T-Swift better than Revenge today at school that I knew every word. Heart eye emojis, okay sign emojis, hashtag Swifty problems. That's definitely a song you don't hear too much anymore. Yeah, that's a throwback for that school. I kind of want to know why Better Than Revenge was played at school. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, who knows? But I'm glad that Allie knew every word. <laughs> Our other one this week is from at Brittany Tom on Twitter. They said, if Timothy throws himself off a building because of all the T-Swift dubs he's going to get from me while well, he asks for it. Hashtag Swifty problems. <laughs> Do you guys use Dub Smash? Which is what I assume she's referring to. No, I was not familiar with it. Yeah, I get a lot sent to me from my cousins, my little cousins, but I've never really used it. I've tried. I've never been able to sync myself up correctly. <laughs> I feel like that's another thing like Snapchat where I'm becoming older and I'm just like not wanting to deal with new trends and just not bothering with it. Yeah, Snapchat is fun, though. It is. I feel like I have so many apps and social media that I've just been, like, hesitant to add another one, but it seems like I might have to. There's just so much Mm -hmm. going on on there all the time. Taylor needs to get a Snapchat. Yeah, I was just going to ask you if Taylor was on Snapchat. No, but we do see her through Calvin's. Right. Well, Selena just got one. So maybe she can convince Taylor to get one. Taylor usually Mm. needs somebody to, like, help her get onto whatever the (laughs) new thing is. Like, I think she needed a lot of help with Tumblr when she first joined Tumblr. So probably just no one has helped her yet. I don't know. Calvin does do a lot. So Taylor's probably like, you know, I just got my Instagram password back. I'm going (laughs) to stick with Instagram for a while. But imagine getting Olivia Snapchats every day. That'd be great. She probably has a private one and just sends nothing but cat snaps to all her friends. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're going to move into our fashion segment. We have a few outfits from the past week from Taylor's outings in L.A. So our first one is when Taylor was leaving the Wilshire Hotel with Calvin on March 1st. And it was a Soya and Koi Samira camel coat. And that's $475. The next piece of fashion was from March 12th. She was arriving at AOC restaurant with Carly Kloss. She was wearing Nike Luna Laurent sneakers in black and pink, which are $79. She's definitely been very into the workout clothes and sneakers lately. Yeah. I'm glad she's back on the Nikes. And not the Yeezys. Not the Yeezys. (laughs) Austin threw them all out, so she doesn't have them anymore. Our last one for this week is from March 11th, when she was attending dance class with Carly. She wore super dry gym running leggings in the color charcoal grit, and those are forty nine fifty. And she also wore an Under Armour Armour mid sports bra in black, which is twenty four ninety nine. Definitely some of the most affordable of the things that she's worn. Is that what she was wearing in the Instagram picture? Yes, I think so. Yeah, and she seems to really like those brands lately. Well, moving into our main discussion, I mentioned a little bit earlier that. With International Women's Day being this week and Taylor's support of that, we sort of wanted to just discuss her position as a feminist and look at how her perspective as a feminist has evolved over the years throughout her career, because it's been a pretty interesting evolution, I think. Definitely. You never heard anything when she first started out about her being 
any sort of feminist. She just had her music and everything, and she never talked about anything like that. And so I guess one of the first direct questions she got about it was in 2012 she was being interviewed by the daily beast and this was in promotion of red when it was coming out and they asked her if she considered herself a feminist now she was 22 at the time four years ago she said i don't really think about things as guys versus girls i never have i was raised by parents who brought me up to think if you work as hard as guys you can go far in life it's kind of interesting reading that quote from her now because in the past Four years since then, she's really embraced this label and embraced talking about these things so much that I kind of associate her with feminism now. And I, I've sort of always seen her as like a positive feminist role model, but it's kind of interesting that comparison to her views of it back then, which are pretty diplomatic. But that was also around the time where interviewers were just asking that question at female celebrities because it was like a clickbaity headline, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think this was also right at the pinnacle of when she felt like she was sort of battling with the media when the stories really got crazy. Everything she said and everything she did was just taken way out of context. So I feel like she was answering every question very carefully, including this one. And it's probably the most honest answer she could have given at the time. And then she later explained that the reason why she was so hesitant to label herself as a feminist was because she just didn't really fully understand the definition of it. And so in 2014, when she was promoting 1989 and she was on a French-Canadian talk show, they were asking her about Emma Watson. And in that situation, she said, I wish when I was 12 years old, I would have been able to watch a video of my favorite actress explaining it in such an intellectual, beautiful, poignant way of the definition of feminism, because I would have understood it. And then earlier on in my life, I would have proudly claimed that I was a feminist because I would have understood what the word means. Yeah, I think this is kind of like a common thing across mainstream culture around that time where for a number of different reasons, feminism was being brought into mainstream discussions more and a lot of people had that same kind of reaction of oh well I guess I didn't really understand what that word meant or what that movement meant and now that I do I see that yes that does apply to me or my work or my values. And I think when you were growing up all you heard about basically was men made more than women and that's kind of all you heard so you really didn't have all the different categories of feminism like you hear today. Absolutely. And she sort of elaborated on that more in another interview in 2014, which was with The Guardian, where she said, As a teenager, I didn't understand that saying you're a feminist is just saying that you hope women and men will have equal rights. It seemed to me the way it was phrased in society that you were picketing against the opposite sex. And I think that's kind of why so many people kind of just hesitated in labeling themselves like that because you're like well I don't hate men so they didn't want to bring it up to like bash them or anything and I think that that's what's important about the fact that Taylor now does label herself that way is that if nothing else it opens it up to a broader discussion and sort of makes it even more of a mainstream topic that now all of her millions of fans whether they're female or male, can start to think about more what that means and think about the way that she's portrayed it, whereas before it was sort of 
like she said, just this abstract term that a lot of people maybe were confused about. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, I understand my kind of precarious position being like this straight white dude on this panel, but <laughs> but I think what gets annoying is that sometimes the media, like we were saying, you know, uses this as just fodder for clicks or become so simplified of is this person or is this song feminist or not feminist and it's like this checkbox that we mark off to say yeah you can like this without guilt or you shouldn't like this because it's not feminist where feminism is really a political movement or like an analytic framework to view the world or view an artist or a song or a movie or whatever and so I think so much criticism gets levied at Taylor Swift all the time and this is one way in which criticism is thrown at her of saying oh she's not the best feminist that she should be or she is not feminist or this song is bad or you know there's a lot of backlash against better than revenge so it's kind of interesting that that song came up today already but that song is you know problematic in a lot of ways but at the same time if we look at Taylor Swift as a whole even before she embraced that word she was always you know a strong young woman who was in control of her career and wrote her own songs and produced her own music. And that's always been, to me, like a positive message to send to her primarily young female audience. So I, I get annoyed when it's sort of seen as a binary of good feminist, bad feminist, as opposed to looking a little bit broader about, you know, the ways that we approach talking about artists or songs with more nuance, I guess. Well, and then after she started calling herself a feminist more, a criticism that got brought up a lot during the 1989 tour was people saying like, oh, Taylor says that she is all about female friendships and surrounding herself with strong women, but all of her friends are just supermodels that look like her. So she's not really feminist. Yeah, I mean, I think there are so many things that get thrown at her for a lot of reasons, and it's a lot of times they're just silly like that, you know? I mean, I think that there are valid things to criticize her for sometimes, but a lot of it just seems kind of petty and itself, like, inherently anti-feminist, you know? Like, why do we need to try to take her down so much as opposed to, like, celebrating the good things that she does, which are... A lot. And I think one way that she tried to sort of spread this message even more was through videos that she showed in between songs on the 1989 tour where they featured all of her close female friends and they talked about a lot of different topics. And I don't remember whose quote this was, but one of them, it might have been Jamie King, said, there's no jealousy amongst us. There's no competition. We're all just strong women supporting each other and loving each other and being proud of each other for our work and what we've accomplished. And I think that's really great that she shared that with everyone on such a big scale on the tour. So a big thing moving off of the topic of girl power and surrounding yourself with the strong women, going into more of the music aspect when she was really getting criticized for her lyrics and who she or who she doesn't write her songs about. And she said, you're going to have a lot of people going to say, oh, you know, like she only writes songs about her ex-boyfriends. And she said that it is a real sexist angle to take because 
no one talks about Ed Sheeran and Bruno Mars like that, and they always sing about their exes or their current girlfriends or their love lives, and no one bats an eye. Yet she is constantly getting criticism for every song she puts out. So That's so true, and I think even beyond that, if you just look at female singers as a whole, even comparing Taylor to other female artists who also sing about their past or current relationships, she gets criticized the most out of everyone. Why do you think that is? What do you think it is about Taylor that makes people want to take her down so frequently? Well, she actually said something that I think makes perfect sense. I don't know which interview it was in, but... She said, whenever you're looking at someone successful, there always has to be a but. And her example that she used was, you know, Beyonce is one of the most successful, talented women in the world. And then people try and pick at her marriage or find other things. Basically, what I've always thought is that if she was just somewhat successful, you know, nowhere on the scale she is now, if her album sales were lower if she didn't sell out stadiums all over the world, if she wasn't winning awards on every award show, people wouldn't care. I feel like it's because she is so successful and it's so hard to ignore her, I guess, that people do that. Yeah. I also think since she started from her very first album of being a songwriter on every album and writing about her life at that time, that's when people gravitated to. If she was just a singer singing these songs that someone else wrote, no one would be caring. Right. But it's because she's writing them. And because she advertises, I guess, the fact that she writes them. As she should. She should. I mean, that's always been what sets her apart, and she should never downplay that. That's her biggest strength. And I think, like, the quote that we just read from her interview on the Canadian show talking about that she wishes when she was younger someone she looked up to would be able to explain this to her now she is that person for a lot of young people which I think is really important maybe you can make the argument that she's not the most feminist or that there are other artists that are more feminist but why to me it's like missing the point I mean she has such a huge fan base of young girls that it's really important that they get this message from her Exactly. They're learning a new definition of the word and probably relate to it more than if she wasn't out there promoting that she's a feminist. Well, sort of on that topic, Scott, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts since you talk so much about pop music and other artists on your show. Are there any other artists that you think are really good feminist role models right now? Yeah, I mean, I think the ones that come to mind are the ones that are discussed the most frequently. I mean, Beyonce obviously has embraced that term so much in the past few years as well, and done a lot of interesting things with it. Nicki Minaj talks about these issues a lot, and I think she does a lot of interesting things with them. And then even slightly less mainstream artists, I mean, Janelle Monet, I think is kind of famous, but not like a Beyonce or a Taylor Swift level. But I think she does a lot of interesting things with gender and women empowerment. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that Overall, it's a really strong time for that movement and those ideas. And I think with people of our generation being online so much, there's so much access to researching these things and learning about these things. And we expect our artists to reflect that now, which I think is really good. And I think our 
artists respond to that. And I think that there's a positive dialogue around gender issues and gender inequality that is really exciting to see. Definitely. And I was just thinking about every genre and how we really need these types of role models across all genres. And that reminded me about how when we interviewed Kelsey Ballerini back in December, she was saying how in the country industry, obviously, I think we're all familiar with the term bro country Mm -hmm. and how big that's become. And she was saying how while that's been the biggest in the past few years, it's starting to shift and more and more successful solo female country artists like her and a few others are coming onto the scene. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how that changes because that's definitely an industry where the music that's been coming out of it has, I don't want to say all been sexist, but definitely been leaning more that way in recent years. It was definitely a male dominated time frame for country music. Yeah, but you see a lot of artists like Maddie and Tay or Casey Musgraves that are doing a lot of interesting things in that genre now that are sort of reflecting back on the negative aspects of bro country being so dominant. And I do think that you've seen a shift away from that in the past few months or past year. I think it's definitely an exciting time. I can't wait to see what happens as far as that. And Taylor, I mean, I feel like she's obviously talked more about being a feminist, but I don't know that she's really had songs about that. I think it would be really interesting to see songs centered around that message. Well, we'd love to hear what you guys think about our episode today and anything else you want to share with us. So we have a bunch of different ways you can contact us. Our main way is on Twitter at SwiftCast13. You can email us at theswiftcast13 at gmail.com. You can visit facebook.com slash theswiftcast Or you can go to our website, swiftcast13.com, where all of our other contact methods are summarized for you. And we also want to remind you to hit the subscribe button on iTunes, because that not only downloads the latest episode for you, but it also helps other people find our show easier, which we would really appreciate. And while you're at it, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star rating on iTunes or leaving us an iTunes review, that would really help us out a lot. And so finally, we can talk about what we think Taylor will do this week. I don't know. I could see her probably doing something related to St. Patrick's Day. Either a picture. Maybe some some baking. Baking. Eating a donut that, of course, is green. (laughs) Yeah, something related to St. Patrick's Day. Oh, ooh. She'll get a Snapchat on St. Patrick's Day. Ooh, that'll be fun. That would be really fun. Show us her shenanigans. I think that she will try and get Meredith to open the bag of treats to see if she can do a better job than Olivia. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll have to see. But for now, for episode 146, this has been Ashley. Haley. And Scott. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift. Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.